0: paradigm. If you have a copy of God's Word, once not you find the book of Psalms. Chapter 63 is where we're going to be at tonight. If you're new to the Bible, Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. If you're on your device, you'll find it starts with a P, but it's got an S sound. Psalms chapter 63. I am so glad that you made the decision to get here. I just want to start by telling y'all a little bit about my family. If we haven't met before, I am married to the love of my life, Chelsea, and we got married a few years ago. Here's a picture of us on our wedding day. Woo, yeah. Some of y'all seen that picture, but it never gets old, baby. Look at those curls. Woo. Holly, all right. Um, we're just gonna enjoy it for, Yeah, thank you, all right, that's good. All right, we pull it down now. So, uh, man, th- that was a really great day, and a lot of you, you've been to weddings before, and, uh, and some of you are married, and, and really, there's this, there's this moment that's a part of the wedding ceremony that's like, it's one of the highlights for the fellas. And guys, you don't wanna miss this moment, all right? And it's the moment where you, you know, you've said all the stuff, you've made it through, and like the, the preacher says something like, you know you've, you've made your promises to each other with the authority that God's given to me. I now pronounce you husband and wife. And he looks at the fellow, he says, you may kiss your bride. Now, this is a moment right now, guys. This is a moment that you've got to own this moment, all right? There's a few things you, you don't want to mess up, and this is one of them. This is This is your right. <laughs> this is your obligation. And this is your privilege to lay a big, wet one on her, all right? Don't you imagine that, that day, you were there. It was in November, and, and you were watching our wedding. You're like, we're at Chad and Chelsea's wedding. This is great, you know, and you're there. And, and the moment comes, preacher says the thing, and, and then you see me turn to my best man. Now you know some of my some of my people, so you're like you're like all right. The, Chad's best man is a guy named Huck, and like you know this because you're at my wedding. And you're like man, Chad and Huck. They share everything. You know they were roommates, they were they were teammates, and they worked together. They worked out together. They man, they shared everything, but there's just some things that you just don't share with another man. Don't you imagine you're watching this, and when the preacher says you may kiss your bride, I look to my best man Huck and I say, hey bro, you got it. Y'all would leave. I'm packing my things up. I will not support this wedding, right? Like why would I outsource one of the most significant responsibilities? Why would I outsource one of the greatest privileges? Why would I outsource this part of a relationship that is so sweet and that is meant to be enjoyed by me and me alone? You would say, that's crazy. (laughs) And, And you would start to question if the relationship that Chelsea and I portrayed was really real. You'd be like, well, you know, they, they were posting pictures and, and it seemed like they had a good thing going and uh, like they just looked so cute and the tuxedo and the wedding dress. It just seemed like everything was just from the, from the curb, from the outside. It just seemed like everything was good. But when they got really down into the nitty gritty of their relationship, this relationship was fake because <laughs> you don't outsource those sort of moments. The reason why I start there tonight is because we're talking about your relationship with God. And many of you, when it comes to your relationship with God, you've settled with outsourcing your relationship with God to someone else. And your relationship with God, listen, it's your right. It is your privilege and it is your opportunity to seize that relationship with God Almighty personally. And if you're anything like me, maybe you've come in here and when it comes to your relationship with God, like you're just kind of faking it until you make it in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is that maybe you have a Bible, but you just don't read it. Like it's kind of like a good luck charm. I know for me, for a large part of my life, like I had a real Bible and like I had a special place on my nightstand. I'd be like, if i am like, if I keep my Bible right there, I'll have good dreams tonight. <laughs> you know, like it was like a good luck charm. Heaven forbid I read it. I wasn't reading it. I just kept it, you know, and I dusted it off from time to time. And like where I grew up, like you don't put drinks on the Bible. <laughs> I said, no, no, you don't do that. Don't set the Bible on the ground. That's bad luck. You know, like we would have these weird ideas about the Bible, but we don't ever read it. <laughs> That's kind of how I grew up. And so you would say, well, what has God been teaching you in his word lately? And I'd be like, well, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like love. You <laughs> know, God is right? And for God so loved the world. And you know, Jesus wept, stuff like that. You know, like I just quote everything I know. And it's all the shortest verses. And so like, I don't know if that's your relationship or maybe when you've come in here and if you're anything like me, like when, it, when you considered like how you're talking to God, like you only talk to God. Like This was my relationship with God, y'all. It was, I would go to God when I needed something. And that's about the only time I talked to him. So like, it was like game day and I'm, and I'm, I'm in the locker room like, you know, just like nervous, and, and uh, Philippians 4.13, you know, I'm gonna quote, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, and I'd hit a knee like Tebow, and I'd be like, God, help me help me glorify you, but help me look good, you know, but for you, God, but for you, not for me, but give me another sack out of the, you know, like, and I would pray these things, or I didn't study, and I'd go into the ACT, and i God, would you help me score well on the ACT? He gave me a 19, you know, and so I'm grateful for that, but I would pray in those moments, and listen, that is a lot of y'all's relationship with God, And and it's, and it's really not a real relationship with God. It's kind of there, but it's really not there. And I think that if you're anything like me, if you start to really investigate your relationship with God, you would conclude that there's really not much of a real relationship there. We're continuing this series called Be Real. And we're talking about how to have a real relationship with God in a culture that just seems to fake a lot of stuff it's based off of this app. A lot of y'all know about the app, but it's an app called Be Real and it's trying to promote like authenticity. So if you're on the app, you post one time a day about what you're doing and your surroundings and what you look like and no makeup or no 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 hair, whatever. You know, like you just, you just, you just being real, you know, and you're sending it out to your crew and, and everybody's like, oh man, that's transparent. The irony is this, is that even though we are longing for an app like Be Real that promotes transparency, we still on Instagram. (laughs) Like We still have our filtered self. And so many of you, you'll have both of those apps on your phone at the same time, and you'll kind of vacillate between your filtered self and your real self, and isn't that how we live a lot of our lives? We want authenticity, nobody wants to be fake. Nobody wants to date somebody that's fake. Nobody wants to have friends that are fake. (laughs) Like, we don't like fake yet, fake seems to be what we know. So we're talking about being real and tonight specifically we're talking about your relationship with God. And if you're taking notes I've titled this message tonight real relationship. Re- real relationship and I want you to see the person of God. I want you I want to call you to take possession of God. And then I want to call you to pursue God with the back end of the message tonight. We're in Psalm 63, and I love the Psalms, man. There's one guy in the Bible that we really know a lot about, and that's a guy named David. And David, we meet him when he's a young guy, and then we get to see him through his young adult years and even through his twilight years. And we get to learn a lot about David. We get to see some of David's highs and lows. And the book of Psalms is David really processing a lot of his life and his relationship with God. And David, David's an amazing guy. What it says in the Bible is that David was a guy. After- After God's own heart David he was like a renaissance man he was a warrior and a poet like he had the total package man it's amazing what David did and David had a real relationship with God and we see the raw realness of his relationship with God in Psalm 63 and here's what it says in verse one it says oh God let's just stop right there we're just going to take one verse tonight okay one verse. We're just gonna keep it simple, kiss. I like that method. That method, keep it simple, stupid. You know, one verse tonight. This is for this is for the, all the people that are just into the, just the simple truth tonight. All right, we're not getting the a long chat, just one verse tonight. Here it is. Oh, God is where we're starting. If you're taking notes. You could write this down. Point number one: the person, the person. David. He's starting out by drawing to mind what he knows about God. When David thinks about God, you could double click on this phrase, oh God, and you would have a drop down menu with tons of adjectives that David understood about the character and the nature of God. David knew God, do you know God? The reason why David's so fired up about pursuing God is because he understands the privilege it is to pursue God. David is not outsourcing his relationship to God to anyone else. David says, oh God, he's fired up about the person of God. The reason why I was fired up on my wedding day, and I'm telling y'all, I was fired up on my wedding day, y'all. Like, it was, like, I didn't sleep the night before. We turned up the night before. That's a pro tip. We turned up the night before, had a dance party with all of our wedding party. It was awesome. And then, so the day of the wedding, I'm like, let's go. Let's get to this finish line so we can have another starting line. Amen. And so I was like, let's go. And I'm there. Like, it's like pregame. I'm all excited when we watch our video. Um, like, you can see me and Chelsea up at the altar. And, like, I'm just swaying back and forth. I'm like, we ready we ready, you know, like I'm fired up. And the reason why I was so excited is not because of the event that I was attending. The reason why I was so excited is because of the person that I was marrying. Like I I hit the wife lottery, y'all. I outpunted my coverage, you know? And so I'm like, man, I'm getting married to this amazing person. And I was fired up about all that we were doing because I was fired up about the person. Are you fired up about God? I think when it comes to some people's relationship with God, the reason why they don't have much of a relationship with God is because they just aren't real excited about God. And can I tell you this, man, God is amazing. One of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, A.W. Tozer, if you're taking notes, he said this, the most important thing in a man's life is his view of God. This is the most important thing in your life. How you view God, well, how you view yourself, it will, it will impact how you view others. Excuse me, and it will also impact how you view the world. How you view God is so important. Do you know God? Let me just kind of give you an appetite for the Almighty real quick. Let me just kind of tempt you uh, with the transcendent real quick, all right? God, he's amazing. He's incredible. God is beautiful. He's the creator. He's a deliverer. He's eternal. God is a forgiver. God is holy. And I could go through the rest of the alphabet. I stand at the border of my imagination trying to convey to you how amazing God is. I lunge at the leash of language trying to grab some adjectives and superlatives to tell you how incredible God is. And when David says, Oh God, what he's thinking about is the God who spoke galaxies into existence. He's thinking about the God that names stars and calls them out at night. He's thinking about the God that dug the deepest oceans. He's thinking about the God that pulled up the mountains. He's thinking about the God that tamed the rivers that wide about the God that made mankind he's thinking about everything that he can draw to mind in the character and the nature of God and he's saying oh God and it's not like this oh God it's not like that all right it's like oh God you know like that's not it like when you read these two words two simple words I want you to get where David's heart is oh God and then he goes on he says this you are my God Oh God, you are my God. Do you know God and do you know God as yours? Point number two, if you're taking notes, you could write this down, the possessiveness. David, he has a personal relationship with God. This isn't someone else's God, this is his God. And listen, I'm convinced that you'll never be active in your pursuit of God. You'll never have a real relationship with God until you possess God and until he possesses you. Some of you are so content, and I've been this way in my life too, with with me knowing God through my pastor alone. Some of you are content with you just knowing God through some friend. Some of you are content with you knowing God through your parents. I'm not talking about is this that person on TikTok that you follows, God. I'm not talking about is this Sadie Robinson's God. I'm not talking about is this your favorite Spotify pastor, God. I'm not talking about is this your friend that's like they're so godly and I just want to be close to them because when they say things, I feel like I know things about God, but I really don't know them about God personally. But they say it, and I own them. Do you find yourself quoting other people more than you find yourself quoting the Word of God? In many of us, we are settling with knowing God through someone else. None of those things are bad in and of themselves, but when you miss out on knowing God personally, you are missing out on your right, your privilege, and your responsibility. You are outsourcing your relationship with God to someone else, and we should never, never outsource that relationship. Oh God, you are my God. Is God your God? maybe some of you have come here tonight and, and you're like me in past seasons in my life, I'd come to church and I would just kind of sit through things like this and I would think, you know, I'm not that bad of a guy. I really don't need God that much. I'll let God know when I need him. And what I was doing in that season of my life is I was comparing myself to other people. And so I would measure my goodness or my need of God up against someone else that was a little bit worse than me or seemed like they needed God more. And so I just concluded that I'll go to church from time to time and and I'll kind of play it cool and be comfortable in my relationship with God, but but I really don't need God. I don't like to be needy. I'm a man, you know, I don't like to be needy. And then I understood that God's standard is not the best human being. God's standard isn't that we would be better than someone else. God's standard is himself. And God is perfect. And so when you begin to compare your need or your, your goodness up against perfection, I think we would all be honest and say that nobody's perfect. And God says, if you're gonna be in right relationship with me, you're gonna have to be perfect. And the Bible says this, that all fall short of God's glory, that we've all sinned and, and no one's perfect. And so if you're here thinking, I am not that bad, I really don't need God, you've misunderstood the chasm that exists between you and a holy God. You may say you're not that bad, and you're probably not that bad of a person, but you're not perfect, and perfection is the standard. Listen, you need God. You need him, and at the end of your life, you're gonna be judged, even if you never did anything evil on the outside, you still had evil intentions in your heart, and God knows, and he's a holy, righteous judge. And you will give an account before a holy God for your life. And if you haven't trusted Christ and allowed him to possess you, and if you haven't trusted Christ and allowed him to lay hold of you and give you forgiveness, then you're going to have to give an account for your own sin, even if you weren't that bad of a person. Others of you, maybe you come in here and, and you're thinking, man, possess God? There's no way that God would want me. Maybe you come in here and you did something that you shouldn't have done over the last couple of days and you're thinking, man, I've, I've gone too far. Maybe you can think of a time when you were in high school and something that you did that you shouldn't have done and you were, you were on something and then you did something that you didn't really know you were doing and then you found out that you did that thing and you're thinking, oh my goodness, who could do such a horrible thing and you found out that you did And oftentimes we can get into this mode that we think that we're so bad that God doesn't want us. And so we go to church and we do spiritual things as like a sort of penance or paying God back for our wickedness. And if that's your mentality, let me just speak to you right now. Listen, God's grace is sufficient for the worst sinner. The word word of God tells us that when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more that if your sin was in a race with God's grace, God's grace would win every time. God's grace would pass the finish line, go to the locker room, take a shower, do an interview with SVP, and then your sin would be crossing the finish line. God's grace is insurmountably greater than the greatest sinner that has ever walked the planet earth. Do you know God? Is he your God? Listen, you're not so good that you don't need God. And you're not so bad that you can't have God. I remember I was a young adult when I really feel like God laid hold of my heart. When I really feel like I possessed God up until that point in my life, uh, God was just my pastor's God. Up until that point in my life, God was just my parents' God. God was just my friends' God. God was just, just an influencer's God. He wasn't my God. And, and I knew enough about God just to know that I wasn't living like God wanted me to live. Like I didn't know everything, but I knew enough to be like, I ain't doing the right thing, you know? I don't know if you're anything like me, but in this season of life, I was like, the good I knew I was supposed to do, I was like, I knew I'm not doing that all the time. And then the bad things I know I wasn't supposed to do, I'm like, I know I was doing some of those, you know? And like, it finally came to a point in my life when I had a new understanding of the character and the nature of God, that he's holy, that he's righteous, that he's just, that he's awesome. And I realized I'm playing games with God Almighty. God Almighty. And I was broken over my sin. And I remember praying, God, would you forgive me? Would you give me mercy and grace? And I, and I need, I need you to forgive me. And I laid hold of God and he laid hold of me and he changed my life and is changing my life. And I had a new zeal and a new passion to pursue God. I had a real relationship with Christ. Let's be real tonight, Paradigm. If you were being tried in a court of law for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence that could be presented to the jury to convict you of being guilty of being a Christian? When you evaluate the evidence of you pursuing a real relationship with God, what's there? And David's saying, oh God, you're my God. I I possess you, and then he turns a corner, and here's what he says. He says, oh God, you're my God, in verse one. And he says this, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, I love this. He says, oh God, you're my God. In, in response to my understanding of that, earnestly I seek you. And he gives us some color to this. He says, it's poetic here. He says, my, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you and then he gives us some more meaning he says like imagine like you're in a dry and weary land where there's no water and how parched and cotton mouth and i've got to have water or i'm gonna die i've got to have food or i'm gonna die like this is what he's saying i feel spiritually towards my relationship with god i need god like a man that's wandering in a desert needs water i need god like a man that's cast away on the ocean needs food i need god do you need god that way Do you earnestly seek God? Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, the pursuit, the pursuit. What David is saying is that he is pursuing God not haphazardly, not not politely, not softly, not not intermittently, but earnestly. I love that. He says, earnestly, I'm gonna seek you. If you need a definition of what earnestly means, let me me just give you this definition. Earnestly, it's a sincere and intense conviction. It's seriously. It could also be rendered as early. It's the first thing. I'm going to do this first things first. It could also mean that you're diligent in your pursuit of God. It means that you're grinding, that you're getting after it. Or if you're from the country, you're getting her done. All right? That's what you're doing in your relationship with God. Do you earnestly seek God? If you claim to know God and you claim that he has changed your life, do you earnestly seek God? Do you earnestly seek God? If you're anything like me, maybe you've been in search circles like this or in places like this, and you're like, well, I think so. Maybe i well, you know, that said it that way. I don't, I don't know. Like what, what does it look like to earnestly seek God? Well, let me give you two things that Christians have done for thousands of years to earnestly seek God. The two things are, are they study the Bible and they pray. They study the Bible and they pray. It's like the meat and potatoes of Christianity. This is like the biscuits and gravy of Christianity. This is like the peanut butter and jelly of Christianity. I would contend that you are not a real Christian if you ain't praying and you ain't reading the word. I would contend that you don't have a real relationship with God if you ain't praying and you ain't in the word. Now, you don't have to do these things to become a Christian, but once you become smitten and fall in love with the God of the universe, these are natural outpourings of your relationship with God. And so if you wanna earnestly seek God, you need to pray and you need to read your Bible. Let's pray. Lord, let's pray you would bless this. I'm just kidding, man. Y'all raise up, man. We ain't done yet. Some of y'all are like, that was a short message, <laughs> you know? But maybe you felt like the tension that I felt before where you come to spaces like this. And um, some of y'all, I gotta guess, it's usually not, it's longer, but uh, anyway. So like, but you felt the tension that I felt before where you'll get fired up like, God, he's my God. Now I'm gonna go read <laughs> and I'm gonna go pray how do you do that? Like, what does that even mean? You're like, I've been in spaces where they're like, they pitch it. It feels like they're pitching a Bible at me. They're like, yeah, you'll figure it out. You know, sink or swim, buddy. And I'll talk to these people and they'll talk about how much God's teaching them in their word. I'm like, where do they get that? Like, I'm just over here in like about shrimp and, and in the tabernacle, you know? And I'm like, I need to figure this out, you know? And they'll talk about, like, I was in my prayer time this morning, you know, I don't, I don't know why, I don't think they talk like this, but I was in my prayer time this morning, it's like, oh my gosh, like the, like the Spirit of God is just heavy, heavy, you know, and you're like, what does that even mean, you know, like, what do you say when you pray? And, and so I think oftentimes we'll come into these places and, and we'll just kind of pretend like we really know what it means to read the Bible and pray. And then we'll we'll leave a space like this and we'll be like, I need to pray. I need to read the Bible. I need to pray. I need to read the Bible. And then you actually get to the thing that you're being called to do and you're clueless. And so sometimes we want a real relationship with God. We just don't know how. And so what I wanna do with the remainder of our time is I wanna talk to you about what it looks like practically to read the Bible and to pray. And I'm gonna give you some tools because if you're here tonight and you're genuinely seeking God, and you want a real relationship with him, not a fake one, but a real one, and you want the Bible to be more than just a good luck charm, and you want your prayer life to be more than just now and then, and you want it to mark your relationship with God really, then I want you to take notes over the next few minutes. I'm gonna give you a few things, a few tools that'll help you, and this will be a reminder for others of you, but let's talk about what does it look like to pursue God earnestly. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta pursue God earnestly in his word. Pursue God earnestly in his word. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Jeremiah's a young adult and, and he's a guy that he, he faithfully follows God his whole life. Jeremiah is the one that the Bible says that, that God knit him together in his mother's womb, called him for a purpose. And so Jeremiah faithfully follows Jesus through the highs and lows. And one of the things that sustains his relationship with God is the word of God. And here's what he says about the word of God in Jeremiah 15. He says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart, and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, of God of hosts. I love this. Jeremiah just simply says, your words were found. i got a question for you tonight. Have you found God's word? Have you found God's word? I'm not talking about, do you have a copy of God's word? I'm not talking about, have you downloaded the Bible app on your phone? I'm talking about, have you, have you found God's word? Has there been a time in your life where you needed God to speak into a most difficult situation? You needed God to show you himself so that you knew who was walking with you through that valley or through that mountaintop for for that matter. And you opened up God's word and you found him available and you found him powerful. Have you found God's word? I know for me, this has been critical for me to find God in his word over and over and over. I've been following Jesus Christ uh, for almost like 17 years now. And I've found out that over the last 17 years, the thing that I needed the most was to study God's word. And through through the loss of my father, through my mom's cancer diagnosis, uh, through the difficulties of, of navigating the, the stress of baby boot camp, and and through the transitions in my life from Louisiana, from Texas to Louisiana, from Louisiana to Missouri to Uh, to me discovering who I am, going through the adult development in my 20s and going, man, God, what have you called me to do? Through all of the ups and downs, through my children's diagnoses and hospital visits and all of the stuff I've found, that God's word remains to me a lifeline. I need God to speak to me and to stir up inside of me that he is God and that he is big and that the problems that I'm going through, he is aware and that he's sovereign. I found that I need God's word to just to know the, the man of Jesus, the God man, so that I can know how to, how to deal with people and, and how, how did Jesus deal with them? Well, I got to read his word. I, I found his word. Have you found God's word? Have you opened up the book? Have you read his word and has God spoken to you? Jeremiah says, I found his word, man. I found his word. Not a book, not just something that I downloaded on my phone. It's something that I laid my soul a soak. It's something that I marinated in until it became one with me. I found God's word. Have you found God's word? We want to pursue God earnestly in his word. And once Jeremiah found it, what did he do? He ate it. Got some barbecue sauce, and he ate that thing, man. What he mean? means, not literally eating it, he means that I read it and I digested it, and it became food for my soul. Do you digest God's word? Do you eat God's word? Some of y'all, if you're being honest, you're just like the dude in the video, you know? Like wake up, you know, be real notification, open it up, take a picture, close it up, go back to sleep, right? And if you aren't consistently and earnestly in God's word, trying to take it into your soul, man, you're starving your soul. And I would question whether or not you have a real relationship with God. Have you found God's word? Are you eating God's word? If you're going to eat God's word, if you're going to digest God's word, you're going to need a few things. You're going to need TP, TP, all right? You're going to need TP, TP. You're going to need a time and a place and some tools and a plan, all right? Time. Let's talk about your time real quick. Somebody asked you, what's the best time to spend time with God? It's the time you spend time with God. That's the best time to spend time with God, all right? It's not early if you ain't early. If you're a late night person, when I started following Jesus, I spent time with God at night because that's when I was at my best. You know, God didn't, he didn't want to see me early in the morning. I need a lot of repentance early in the morning. Right? And so I wanted to give God my best. If your best is at your lunch break at work, if your best is early in the morning, if your best is late at night, if your best is when you get off work, give God some time, a consistent time that you prefer to spend time with God. It's not, there's not only one time to spend time with God. The best time that you spend time with God is the time that you spend time with God. Pick a time. The second thing you need is, is a place. It's a place. What, what is the place that is most sacred to you to spend time with God? You can spend time with God anywhere, any place. God is everywhere, He's omnipresent. You can, you can, you can spend time with God in the car. You can spend time with God in, in the bathroom. You can spend time with God in the bedroom, in the living room. You can spend time with God at, at the coffee shop. You can spend time with God at the library. You can spend time with God at any place, but what's your place? A few years ago, I got a dad chair. <laughs> yeah, dad chair. I feel like i ride, man. Yeah, we, had, we had kids for many years before I got a dad chair. I was a little late to the game, but I got it now, y'all. And don't, don't you come over to my house and sit in my chair, all right? It's dad's chair. I got a bunch of dead animals right behind me. It's dad's chair, right? He's taking selfies, just looking tough. Like just, anyway, that offended somebody. I'm sorry. Anyway, my dad's chair, And that is the place that I like to spend time with God. It's not the only place, but that's one of my favorite places to spend time with God. You're gonna need a time and a place. You're gonna need some coffee. I'm just kidding, that's on the list, but it helps. Anyway, so you need a time and a place, and you're gonna, need, you're gonna need some tools. You're gonna need some tools. Some of the tools that I use are a study Bible and a journal. My wife, she uses a workbook. But you're just gonna need some tools. What are the tools that you can use that will set you up for success in eating the Word of God? Man, if you haven't found a good Bible, man, I encourage you to find a good Bible. And some people ask, what's the best version of the Bible to read? Because if you're new to Christianity, you're like, man, God wrote a book. He got one holy word of God. And then you go to the bookstore, you go to Amazon, you're like, man, there's like 30 different versions of this thing. Like, which version do I get? Two versions I recommend. One, I preach consistently out of the New King James translation or the NKJV. All right. So that's a good translation. Um, I study out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. The HCSB is a good one, the NLT is a good one, the ABCD is a good one, all right? That's not a real one. But the best version of the Bible for you to read, I would say, is the version that you're reading. And if you seriously need help finding a good Bible, just shoot me an email. I'll help you out. I've also found that I like a study Bible. That's the big Bible. Like it, it's like the it's like the big sword, all right? Like it's it's a big one, all right? It could it could defend you and uh and like you know big bible big bible lots of notes and oftentimes that can be helpful for you to understand difficult passages but i would encourage you to seek just to read the word of god in its purity and process the word of god accordingly before you jump down to the commentary so you need a time a place some tools and you need a plan you need a plan What is your plan when you sit down and spend time with God in his word? What's your plan? Well, let me give you a simple plan real quick. It spells the word SOAP, S-O-A-P. And so when you're reading the Bible, S-O-A-P, you can just think about this in your mind. You can write it down on a sheet of paper, and you can just write, you're going to read, read one chapter at a time, one chapter at a time, and just write a scripture that speaks to you, S, scripture, you write a scripture that speaks to you. Oftentimes when I'm writing in my journal, I'll write the the address of the scripture, like John 7, 42, you know? And then I write something that has to do with that scripture. And so you're gonna write a scripture and then you're gonna write an observation. That's the O, observation. You're gonna make some observations about the text. Jesus is doing this, he's saying this. Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't Jesus confusing? Isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus difficult at times? Observation. The A stands for application. And so I'm going to move down in my journal, or in my notes, I'm going to write, I need to do this in regard to this. The word of God tells us this, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. You want to have an affinity for action and you want to apply the word of God to your life. The P stands for prayer. So you're going to S, scripture, O, observation, A, application, P, prayer. What does it look like for you to study the word of God? What does it look like for you to get into God's word? I think sometimes it also is helpful if I just show you what my stuff looks like, all right? So here's my Bible right here. You don't know, see my Bible real quick. So you see, I, I, like, I like draw pictures in there. I'm, I've got questions in there. And uh, like that picture on the left, that's like a guy grabbing an eyeball. That's kind of weird, but it makes sense when you read the Bible right there. And so like I'm interacting with the Bible, all right? So that's my Bible. You see all the study notes of the Bombs and the study Bible, and then go to the next picture. This is my journal. So you see the date, you know, this is an old picture. So this is last year, December 22. And then. You can see my scripture that I'm tying in, John 6, 35, 38, and 40. And then I'm writing some stuff about that scripture. And then I'm just writing about my life, man. Thank you, Jesus, for the last couple of days to be able to you know, serve you. Paradigm was great to be able to preach your word. Holy Spirit, may you continue to move and stir hearts. I thought about getting to go hunt with a friend of mine named Peter from Russia the other day. And then also seeing Anna Joy's dance recital over the weekend, just thanking God. And I'm just processing my relationship with God and my life. Listen, God wants to know about you. Why would you keep outsourcing your relationship with the almighty that's available, that is your right, that is your privilege, that's your responsibility to anyone else? You can know God personally. Do you have a real relationship with God? What if this was the year that you really started to study God's word? Man, I can't tell you how many times I draw upon the scriptures that God lodged in my heart when I was a young adult. Most of you, your brain is still, is still crystallizing. You still got time to get some more information in there. All right, and not that when you get past 25, you can't learn anything new, but you, just, you have a lot more ability to do that right now. And this is the season in your life where most of you are the most undivided. If you just put your phone away, most of you are the most undivided in this season of life. Most of you, you don't have kids or a, or a spouse. And, and so like all of that just adds more div- dividing in your life. And it can be difficult to find time to get into God's word like you could have done in the season that you're in. This is the season that you study God's word. This is the season that you open up the book and you know the God of the book. And Jeremiah says, man, your words were found and I ate them. I took them into my soul, into my being. This is the year that you eat God's word. And then Jeremiah, he says this, that your words were found, I ate them and they became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Don't you love that? you speak of God's word that way? That God's word is a joy and the delight of my heart. I've got to have God's word. That for Jeremiah, God's word was milk, like milk to a newborn infant. I've got to have it. To Jeremiah, God's word was like meat. Meat to a warrior. I've got to have it. Have you found God's word? Have you eaten it? Is it a joy in your heart's delight? And the reason why Jeremiah says that it is is because he's called by God's name. (laughs) The reason why Jeremiah is fired up about getting the word of God is because he's fired up about God, y'all. I have these letters that my wife has written me over the years and I I love reading them. I love reading the words that she's written to me. And the reason why I love reading the words that she's written to me is because I love her. (laughs) Like if you found the letter that my wife wrote to me, you'd be like, oh, that's nice, but it probably wouldn't mean much to you because you really don't know her, all right? And it's not written to you. Listen, the reason why some of you are not fired up about the word of God is because you're not fired up about the God of the word. And the thing that's gonna allow you to be fired up about God's word is when you get fired up about God. God's written you something so that you can know him and know his ways. The thing that makes the word of God a joy is when you know the author. What if this was the year that you sought God earnestly in his word? What if this was the year that you began to lodge deep within your soul the word of God? And so you gotta gotta pursue God earnestly through his word. The second way you pursue God earnestly that we're talking about tonight is through prayer. The second way that you pursue God earnestly is through prayer. Jesus, he was a man of prayer. I <laughs> just love that Jesus, like he, man, he's the MVP of Christianity. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the son of God and he is made in the, in the likeness and the, like he is, he's the guy, you know? Like if we wanna know what it looks like to have a real relationship with God, we need to look to Jesus. And Jesus was a man of prayer. I think there's been times in my life where I've justified that I didn't need to pray that much because it seemed like everything was going all right. But then I read about the life of Jesus and it's like the brother's always praying. Like if anybody had a reason to be like, you know, I don't need to pray today. I'm Jesus. You know, like I would think it would be him, you know, but it just seems like he's constantly talking to his father. He says this in Mark 1 it tells us that Jesus did this, that very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus, he got up, he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, he was a man of prayer. But when he was praying, like when his disciples saw him over there praying, like what, what exactly do y'all think he was doing? Like again, I think there's this tendency to be like y'all, y'all need to pray. And like we just kind of, if you didn't grow up in a spiritual family that prayed and taught you how to do that, maybe you come in here and you're trying to have a real relationship with God, you just don't know what it looks like. What does it look like to pray? Well, prayer in its most simple function is you just talking to God. It's you talking to God. Prayer, it's the language of the dependent. Prayer is the thing that we need. It's like the oxygen that allows the lungs of our spiritual man to breathe. And when we cease to pray, what we're saying is, God, I am declaring my independence from you. And prayer is the privilege of the Christian. And prayer, it's one of these things that it's, it's both fluid and concrete. Like, I want you to think about my relationship with Chelsea. Like, her and I, we have a text relationship. You know, we're texting each other. And, uh, and like, we never say goodbye on the text thread. You know, it's this ongoing relationship. You know, we send emojis, we send gifs, we send details about our day, we send facts, we send our emotions. We, send, we just constantly talking back and forth on the text thread and there's never a goodbye. It's kind of fluid. And then there are these times where it's like, a, it's a phone call conversation with her. You know, it's a hello, here's the thing. And then it's a I love you, goodbye. You know, it's, it's more concrete. In your relationship with God, listen, you can pray to God anywhere. You could be in a drunk tank and pray to God and he'll meet you there. You could be at a party that you knew you weren't supposed to be there and you had one too many and you need God's help to get you out of there in a safe way. You can pray and God will help you get out of there. You can pray at your wedding day. It's the the mountaintop of your life. You can pray when your kids are coming to the world. You can pray wherever you are. God will hear you. This is this fluid available. God wants you to speak to him. But then there are these times where we get alone with God and we have a concrete time of prayer. But what are you doing in that time of prayer? Let me give you four things that you can do to really excite your prayer life or four things that you can do so that you could pray in a way that's going to be a real, tangible, concrete prayer time. The first thing is the, it spells the word acts. The first thing is that you're going to adore God. You're just going to spend some time saying, God, you're amazing. God, you're beautiful. God, you're the creator. God, you're the deliverer god you're you're excellent god you're forgiving god you're generous god you're holy and you can just go down the list i'm gonna adore god i'm gonna tell him how amazing he is because when you draw to mind the goodness and the greatness of god almighty it puts your heart in a place that's ready to really speak to him you're saying oh god and then the c stands for confession You begin to tell God. You begin to confess Him, God, God, I, I didn't get this right. God, reveal my sin. God, would you help me with this? God, would you give me wisdom here? You're confessing some things to Him. The T stands for thanksgiving. You're thanking God for the things that He's done in your life. When was the last time you had a concrete time of thanking God for what He's given to you? If all you had today was what you thanked God for yesterday, what would you have? And when we pray, what we're saying to God is, God, thank you for my wife. God, thank you for my job. God, thank you for my truck. God, thank you for the sunrise. God, thank you. And you're just telling God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the S stands for supplication. Supplication is just a $10 word that just means supply. God, what do you need God to supply you with? God, I need you to supply me with a spouse. Some of y'all have not because you asked not, all right? God, I need you to supply me with a job. God, I need you to supply me with a better job. God, I need you to supply me with a roommate. God, I need you to supply God, I need I have needs. Do you earnestly seek God in prayer? Maybe you've tried to pray before and you, you think, what, well, you know, yeah, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. I think sometimes we think that that God's like a gimmick, you know, that we try it, you know, and it didn't work, and so it just you know, it's all it's all bad. But we we notice David, he says, oh God, you're my God, earnestly I seek you. He doesn't say I seek you when it's easy. He doesn't say I I seek you when it's convenient. He doesn't say I'll seek you until I get what I want. He says, earnestly I seek you. And notice that David is saying, earnestly I seek you, not what you can give me. I think some of us have gotten frustrated in the process of prayer because we misunderstood. We thought that prayer was the thing that we presented our needs to God and then when he gave them to us, we would leave God. But maybe God is making your prayer life a process because he knows that in the process that you're in, you're seeking him more than you've ever sought him. And if he gives you the thing, maybe he's delaying it or denying it because he's getting you more in the process. And that's the goal. Earnestly I seek you, not what you can give me. God, I want you. Do you have a real relationship with God? Do you earnestly seek God? Do you really want God? And my wedding day with Chelsea, it's amazing. Here's another picture when we were running out. Just celebrating. You know such a beautiful day and As I think back, I I just remember when I saw her come down the aisle, I was just so overwhelmed. You know, I'm not, I'm typically not really emotional. But I think just all, the, all of the, the stuffing it, stuffing it, when she, when, she, when those doors opened and her daddy and her came down the aisle, I was, I was like just so much, in a, I had a cryo going. You know what a cryo is? That's where you're crying and smiling at the same time. It's like, it makes for a real ugly face. You know, like you're, you're like, I know that people are looking, I need to smile, like I'm happy, but I'm so overwhelmed. And I was overwhelmed with joy. I was overwhelmed with gratitude. I was overwhelmed with excitement. And that's all I could do. And the reason why I was so fired up about that relationship is because of her. Like the reason why the wedding was exciting was because the relationship was exciting. The Bible tells us that the end of all things, after judgment has taken place, after the end of the world has taken place, Jesus is gonna take his bride, the church, and there's gonna be a wedding that a wedding is the picture that God has preserved throughout all generations to give us a foreshadow of something greater to come. And and as amazing as my wedding day was, I can only imagine how glorious that wedding day will be. And what's gonna make that wedding day exciting is the relationship that we have with God. (laughs) And listen, if you're not fired up about that day, more than likely it's because you're not fired up about God today. Like if you're not looking forward to meeting God at the end of your life and at the end of all things, then more than likely you don't have a real relationship with God. Because if you're not fired up for God now, then what makes you think you'll be fired up for God later? Because the reality is you're only becoming more of who you are today. And if today you don't have a real relationship with God, what are you waiting on? Man, the God of the universe has made himself available to you to offer you the benefits of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And then once you step into that relationship, now you have direct access to God. You don't have to go through some holy man or woman you don't have to go through some, some ritualistic thing. You don't have to, you, you have direct access to God because of what Jesus did and now you can have a relationship with him. Not to mention that the blood is the, that has been shed over the centuries so that we can have a copy of God's word in our own vernacular. We don't have to learn Latin to be able to read this thing. We can read it in, in English and there's translations that break it down into real simple English. We can know God. We can pray in peace. Do you want God? Do you have a real relationship with God? And if you don't, man, I would love for that to start tonight. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And I'm going to come back up here and give you an opportunity to respond. Some of you, you need to come uh, here in a minute after, after we sing, when I give you a chance, you need to come start a relationship with God. Others of you, you need to take to heart. You need to look up our digital notes and recap on some of these notes so that you can you can leave this space and really start to pursue God. So you quit faking it, man. Why pretend? Well, you'll have to. Today could be the start of a new a new era in your life. And I would love for that to come to be. Let me pray for you guys. We're gonna sing. I'll give you a chance to respond. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you that... that you're amazing. You make yourself available to us. I say, oh God, you're my God. Thank you. And God, help me to earnestly seek you. God, I pray that when I seek you, you will be found. Your word says that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. You're not trying to dodge us. You're not trying to run from us. You've made yourself available to us saying, come to me. Even when we're weary and heavy laden and all jacked up, you say, come on, come on to me. I want you now, just the way you are. And so God, I pray that tonight, for those of us that maybe have come in here and we have a fake relationship with you, I pray that tonight we would begin a real relationship with you. God, you would help us to start reading your word and praying to you for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.